Genomics England is trying to bring the benefits of genomic medicine to everyone. And that involves accelerating genomic research and also working with the NHS to bring genomics into the heart of healthcare. Genomics is a word that can trigger really strong responses, hope, fear, anger, and there's a lot of information out there, but it's not all accessible to non-experts. And there are some myths out there too. So we want to talk more about this word, the G word, genomics. Welcome to the pod and hello from me. I'm Vivian Parry. I head public engagement at Genomics England and I'm taking over the hot seat this week. So let me take you back to a moment in 2012 when the 100,000 Genomes Project was conceived. At the time, nobody had ever sequenced 100,000 genomes. And frankly, we weren't sure that it was even possible. It was right at the edge of science. We overcame the many technical challenges in partnership with a wide range of specialist companies. Today, we continue to work with tech innovators, but also with pharma and biotech and researchers. Our generous participants initially came into the project because they wanted a diagnosis, but a diagnosis has limited value if there are no treatments, diagnostics or therapies for it. They want their data to be used for research by both academics and industry. The person charged at Genomics England with wrangling our industry and academic scientific partners is Deb Lancaster, and she's here with us today. Deb, hello. Hello. Nice to speak to you, Beth. So tell me, what, do, what does your job involve? That's a very big question, and I'm only, I'm only four months in, so I'm still discovering new stuff as I move along. But uh, basically, it means making sure that our researchers, be they academics, people from the NHS, or people from the, uh, the biotech industry, are able to interact with our data in an easy, simple, and effective way so that they can use that data for the benefit of participants and for patients in the future by applying it to their research. Now, people always worry when they hear the word industry and they combine industry with this very precious and personal data. But actually, our participants don't have the same view, do they? No, they're, they're really actually very supportive because they're aware in the same way that we are that we're not going to get new therapies brought to the market by the NHS or by academics. The people with the real expertise in that area is the pharma industry. And speaking as someone who's spent most of my career in pharma, I know how important data is in order to back up the medicines that you bring to market and in order to understand what patient benefits needed. Where, where, where does a patient need a new treatment? How can that be targeted? How can discovery be pulled together so that you can actually give that patient a drug that's effective and also relatively safe because nothing's completely safe. Now we think of researchers and I guess that lots of people think of researchers as just being academic but pharma companies have huge science teams don't they? Absolutely enormous there are far more people and I'm guessing here but I would imagine there are far more people working in pharma research than there are actually in universities and academic institutions. And in fact, you get a lot of mix and match between the two. People start in academia, they move to industry, vice versa. So it's a, it's a very similar group of people that work across both of those settings. And the model that we have is that researchers from academia and industry 
can work together. So, you know, they can go into a huddle around a particular disease. And that's very helpful for both industry, but also for the academics. It is. And that's that's one of my real passions. What I want to really encourage now I'm at Genomics England, I really want to see the academic community doing the basic science and the industrial partners doing the, the development work, the big clinical studies that the academics wouldn't have the resources to do and all the safety testing and uh, regulatory approvals so that it's it's a smooth pathway and it's a it's a perfect match if we can get those guys working together the data has only relatively recently been made available i said at the top that we started in 2012 but of course it was quite some time before there were sufficiently large amounts of data in uh, the national genomic research library to enable this kind of research have we uh, already begun to see new uh, advances and new research out of this? Yes, we have. And um, there's quite a number of examples where we've found a certain gene, uh, a single gene that's assigned to a, a developmental disorder or a rare disease or a cancer. And the industry has been able to develop precision medicines that will actually target that gene. Most of them, because it takes so long to develop a drug, you know, it's 15, 20 years from finding the molecule to actually getting that drug to, to the patients that need it. But we're seeing a lot of stages along that pathway now, because as you say, the data has only relatively recently become available that's driving in that direction. There's a lot of new discoveries, a lot of new uh, genes that are associated with disease and medicines that are in development for treatments. So the great thing about this is that once you discover something new, that it goes directly into the NHS, by which I mean there isn't a long wait where something has to be published and validated and you know all of those other things. Yes, of course, it has to be validated, but actually it comes into the NHS almost immediately. And that's what's so remarkable about the 100,000. Yeah, absolutely. It's and in fact, I was um, working in uh, a pharmaceutical company when in 2012, when Genomics England was first pulled together and launched on as on the back of the David Cameron initiative. And I, my my background's in genetics. That my degree was in genetics, so it's always been a passion, and I could see just how powerful these data could be moving forwards and um, I got the company I was working for to invest and be part of the initial consortium that um, that's actually worked with Genomics England. So it's a dream job for me to come here now after seeing it grow up over the years. So you, you used to work at Roche which has also got a big diagnostics division and diagnostics are very important in our space aren't they? Hugely important and I think it's very interesting to look at the way diagnostics have developed over over the last 10, 12 years even, because there were many single gene tests or amplification tests that were done on slides with bits of tissue and staining. And we're moving away from that kind of gray, sometimes really hard to get a yes or no answer from, all the way through to precision tests. Single gene tests were very common. Um, panels were very common with several genes on them. But the move to whole genome sequencing means that we're seeing everything. And you could focus very easily on one gene 
and not know that there were three or four others that, that were also impacting the disease. So it's fantastic to have the whole picture. And from a bioinformatics point of view and from an industry point of view, that's, that's just gold in terms of discovery and in terms of getting the best treatments. It's an extraordinary resource. And like you, I did genetics at, at, at university. I was the world's worst student, I have to say. But <laughs> And when... <laughs> I first heard about the hundred thousand. My life is a, other life is as a journalist. I thought it was the single most exciting project. It's just astonishing, and I it was extraordinary at the time because a hundred thousand was kind of plucked out of the air because it was a nice round number, and we did panic at the time. I remember it clearly that it wasn't possible, but it's not only proved possible, but it's now a service within the NHS. And that's something that no other country has been able to do. No, the, the, the linkage between the NHS, actual patient treatments and the research side of things, I, I believe, is unique to Genomics England. Because, you know, the data from the NHS, if the patient consents to that, flows into the research environment. And that data then helps patients in the future so it's they feed each other and it's it's a really good approach I think and and like you when the hundred thousand was first um was first mooted I was very enthusiastic but slightly incredulous because sequencing at that time was a lot more difficult and a lot more expensive than it is now and it just seemed like it it was science fiction and to actually see it done and the data being there for use now is incredible. And I think the thing that's interesting is that lots of other areas of medicine, you have research and you have clinical care in two separate buckets, as it were. But with genomics, it comes together because you can't really interpret what somebody's problem is without comparing it with all the other data that you have. And so your research and your, your clinical care is very, very closely aligned. Yes, yeah, for sure. And that's the ideal situation because what we have is real world data. This isn't a randomized controlled study. We've got a hundred and odd thousand individuals whose genomes feed into the research environment. It's real life. There, there are no inclusion or exclusion criteria to those patients. They are patients suffering with that specific disease and just as they are in every day in the NHS. So it's, it's real. And uh, I think that's really important when you're looking at incidents, when you're looking at the epidemiology and so on. It's, it's really helpful. People do worry that somehow if pharmaceutical companies are involved that they're going to be taking away the data you know taking it to some vault in Switzerland or, you know, doing something strange with it and using it to make huge profits for themselves but that's really not the case at all is it? No um, it's very important to us that the data is safe and that it can't be used uh, in any way other than it was intended which is is for the good for the good of the human population. An analogy that's used is that we're a, a reading library rather than a lending library. So people can't take the data out. They can't take it home with them. They sit in our research environment. They understand what they need to understand. They gain the insights that they need and they take only the insights away. The data doesn't leave our environment. And of course, 
no patient can be identified within the research environment. Everything's de-identified. It's a bit like the London Aquarium. In other words, we charge people to come in because we make companies uh, pay to use the data. That's not selling the data. We uh, get them to pay to use the data because after all, you know, in an aquarium, somebody's got to pay for fish food and a fish vet and the little castles they swim through. <laughs> but they can come in and look at the fish, but they can't take away a fish. Absolutely. That's spot on. So let me talk a bit about you, Deb, because uh, you spent a long time in the pharmaceutical industry at the uh, Roche, which is a huge, huge company. But you did your genetics and you're particularly keen, I know, on getting more women into science, technology, engineering and maths. Hugely. Yeah, I think it, it's really important. And in the pharma industry, it's probably around 60-40 in favour of women, surprisingly. However, those women aren't the most senior ones. And when you start looking at CEOs, when you start looking at country leadership teams, global leadership teams, the proportion of women is much, much lower. And I'm, I'm really, really passionate to get a good balance at a high level throughout all areas in life. I think we've been we've been dominated by males for long enough and it's time we had our day. And, you know, there are so many bright women, bright girls out there who the world, the world's their oyster. They could do anything. And yet, because they're not given the encouragement, because they're not seeing role models out there that they can follow and look up to, they're not necessarily doing as well as they could, should or want to do. Well, you're a wonderful role model, uh, Deb. You're a wonderful role model. And uh, you must have had a lot of powers of persuasion and some real presence in order to persuade Roche right at the beginning to come into the partnership with Genomics England. I think it was one of the first companies to be involved. How did you make that pitch? How were you so sure that you were right? I think the important thing to me was that this was a big deal. It was something that had never been done before. It was hugely ambitious. And the possibilities were absolutely endless. And it's a, it's a case of finding the right ear. It's finding the right person who shares your passion, who can see the possibilities, and you can take them along with you. And, and that's what I did. I found someone in Switzerland who was just as geeky as I was about genetics and could see that that was the way medicines were going, precision medicine, personalised medicine, and that this would be an enormous resource for people to use in their R&D programmes. So a woman with a vision, determined to get other women, because um, I think that's one of the things we have to do, is we have to bring up people behind us. We have to really pull them up the ladder and make sure that they go for those uh, senior positions. And somebody now in charge of an incredibly important role at Genomics England, bringing together all these industrial and academic partners to make sure that we deliver the best that we can for all those people who've so generously given us their data. Deb, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Vivian. I've enjoyed it. And that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening to this discussion about the G word and for joining us on this journey to highlight and debate the implications of genomics as it comes to the mainstream of healthcare and society. Remember to subscribe to The G Word on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or 
wherever you listen. And if you have views on these topics or if you have a suggestion for someone we should interview, then do write to us at podcast at genomicsengland.co.uk. And remember, if you've enjoyed listening, of course you have, then give us that five-star review because it really helps other people find out about the series. I'd appreciate it very much. I've been Vivian Parry. See you on the next episode of The G Word. Bye for now.